All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and take our Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter number five. And then also, if you could find Colossians chapter three and verse number 16. These two verses are what we're going to look at and kind of be the basis for our um, message tonight. And with, with this particular series, um, it's, it's a little different than a normal, like going through the Bible preaching type series. It's more teaching, um, more of a teachy type uh, situation here. So, um, you know, for those who are visiting or newer to our church, normally it's more of a preaching type service. But when we're going through these things, um, it, it lends itself a little bit more to teaching. Um, we're continuing on with our series, Music Matters. Uh, it's been about a month since we've been back, in, since we were in this series. So thank you for your patience as we've uh, needed to address other things as we've gone along. But um, it's, uh, I think, July 4th or July 2nd, I'm sorry, was the, the last time we were in this series. So uh, it's been a few weeks, but uh, we'll pick it back up here uh, now. We've looked at uh, the purpose of music. We've looked at uh, principles for discerning godly music in our own individual lives. Now, tonight, we're going to be starting to look at biblical principles for church music. And should they be the same as our personal music standards? Um, I suppose they should, but... Um, but but God uh, has given us uh, some instruction specific to the church that uh, we need to look at tonight. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, and then Colossians 3.16. And uh, let's go ahead and stand together one more time for um, the reading of these two verses here, the Word of God, Ephesians 5.19. And the Word of God says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And uh, just a reminder, Paul is writing this to a church family at Ephesus, and then to the church family in Colossae, he writes this in Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. All right, well, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and we'll continue on with our message. Lord, thank you for music, and uh, what a gift it is. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to use it to bring you great glory here in the church and in our in own individual lives. I pray, Lord, you'd help us to have an open heart to these thoughts and uh, these uh, biblical principles uh, tonight. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would um, help us to be of the same mind and of the same spirit uh, as we discuss these um, truths from your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. So again, we've already looked at really the purpose of music, some kind of basic aspects of music. And then now, uh, or and then the last time we looked at the biblical principles for discerning godly music for us individually and in our own personal lives, and, and I hope that those have helped you uh, take inventory of your music that you listen to in the car, um, when you're working out, 
um, or running or whatever the case may be, or just cleaning the house, um, to just make sure that those, uh, the, those check boxes are checked, not because I said so, but because they're biblical principles. All right, and then now we're going to look at uh, the biblical principles for church music. And I realize that probably all of us come from different backgrounds with different church music situations and where the pastor drew lines in different places. And I'm not trying to say that your pastor that you grew up under was wrong. Um, but if he doesn't agree with me, then he is. No, I'm kidding. Uh, that's not it at all. Um, I, every pastor needs to make these, these lines and draw these lines for their church. And uh, there is a, there's a really big reason for that. And that is, the fact is, and I'll come back to this at the very end of this lesson. And I don't know that we'll finish this lesson tonight because there are several points. Um, but the, the truth is, every pastor is going to stand before Jesus Christ and give an account for the church that he has been called by the Holy Spirit to be the overseer of. And um, that is a heavy weight that each pastor has to carry and has to consider and has to um, figure out where he's going to land in certain areas uh, of church life, including music. So not every pastor is going to land in the same place. And, and I'm not here to be critical of any pastor who does, per se. Um, I, I, I'm not trying to be, but I, I also need to take a firm stand somewhere. And so this is a little bit of, of, of where I, I mean, this is where I stand and uh, some lines that we're going to draw here, but, um, but don't get nervous, okay? Um, these are all biblical principles. These are all things that we're looking at getting from the scriptures. I'm not just getting from my, uh, my whims and my, you know, how I'm feeling today. No, we're getting these things from the Word of God, okay? And I hope that uh, they'll help you. They'll help all of us. And Let's get started here. So number one, the first biblical principle we want to look at is the Lord's church is to be a singing church. Okay, now I realize this isn't exactly a pretty hard line to draw, uh, but we need to understand that, that a New Testament church is meant to be a singing church, that music is to be uh, prevalent in that church. Um, you think about this for a quick second. The two verses we just read, Ephesians 5.19 and Colossians 3.16, were written to churches, instructing them that uh, there should be, in verse number 16 of chapter 3 of Colossians, he says, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, sing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So these are, this is instruction to a church. And, and Ephesians 5.19, same thing. Um, and you think about this for a quick second. Uh, singing was practiced by Jesus um, with his little flock that he had right after they took the first Lord's Supper. They took communion in the upper room. What happened right after that? The Bible says, well, let's turn to Matthew chapter 26 very quickly. Matthew 26. And verse number... 29, here they're in the upper room. They're taking communion. He's giving the broken bread. He breaks the bread. 
Uh, he takes bread, blesses it, breaks it, gives it to the disciples. Take eat, this is my body. He takes the cup, gave thanks, gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. This is my blood of the New Testament. And then, um, and then in verse 30, as soon as that's all done, the Bible says, When they had sung an hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. So Jesus and the disciples got to sing a hymn together. Okay, so that, that takes place. And then after that, it was, again, practiced in the first churches, Ephesians 5.19, Colossians 3.16, we just looked at a minute ago. Congregational singing was also practiced by the Anabaptists. A Baptist of old loved to sing. In fact, their songs and hymns were sacred in character and biblical in doctrine. They put entire sermons or Bible stories or histories of martyrdom into song. Some of their hymns had... 45 stanzas. Okay, some of the songs we have, uh, long songs have like five or six stanzas. And uh, we usually pick like three, four, maybe five of them. 45, uh, that would be interesting. Hey, Brother Blake, we're going to sing this song and we're going to sing all 45 verses. Okay, so uh, come and lead us in all 45 of them. Uh, that'll be a long service. <laughs> Uh, but, but the, I mean, the church history, when you look at church history, they were a singing church. Congregational uh, singing was also practiced in the times of revival. There was a great spiritual riot, revival in the late 1800s and early 1900s, and it was accompanied by a great hymn-writing movement. Philip Bliss, Fanny Crosby, Ira Sankey, and others uh, wrote a bunch of songs during that particular time uh, of history. And exuberant singing was a major factor in the Bible conference movement and the camp meetings. Um, and there was a proliferation of hymnals. So a lot of the hymnals uh, that are even in existence still today were uh, composed and compiled way back in, in, in that time of history. And so, I mean, that. That became uh, a really big thing there. And when you think about this, um, the Lord's Church is to be a singing church. It, it, we, we might as well get used to it because when Christ comes and set, sets up His kingdom, uh, that's going to be a singing kingdom. You see, the musical worship in Solomon's temple looks forward to the millennial temple when Christ will be seated on the throne of His glory, and the priests will sing and play to His glory, and the people will worship Him. The prophecies in the Old Testament that emphasize Christ's kingdom um, also mention that it will be a singing kingdom. Isaiah 35 and verse number 10 is one of such uh, prophecy, and it says, And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. And then Isaiah 51.11 is somewhat similar where it says, Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. All right? Some of you may be even singing that verse. Um, how many of you know that as a song? Okay, a couple of you. Um, yeah, there's that, that, that verse has been put to song. But the point is that uh, the Lord's church has always been and always really, I mean, when, when the church is no longer here, we've been raptured away, still uh, the Lord's people are going to be singing. So we might as well get used to it. We might as well enjoy it. We might as well start learning to sing. 
And uh, one thing about sitting or standing up here during the song service, I am honestly trying to sing and think about the words that I'm singing, but I am also facing all of you. And uh, I am also able to notice those who are singing and those who are not singing. And uh, those who are singing with great joy and great exuberance and those who are like, when is this going to be over? Um, the Lord's church is meant to be a singing church. And so if you're going to be part of Cornerstone Baptist Church, I would encourage you to learn to enjoy singing. And uh, because it's, we're singing as unto the Lord. Okay, next, number two. So the Lord's church is to be a singing church. Number two, church music is to be sung and played by spirit-filled saints. All right, go back to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number uh, verse number 19 we already read. But if we go back one verse to just 18 where it says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, semicolon, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So we're to be filled with the Spirit, and part of that should when we are filled with the spirit we're gonna sing unto the lord we're gonna we're gonna uh do it verse number 19 we're gonna speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs we're gonna be singing and making melody in your heart to the lord all right so when dealing with the music issue god begins with the spirit spiritual condition of the church and of the individual singers and players Sound congregational singing requires a spiritual house made of living stones, referring to born-again people who are actively functioning as holy priests. Uh, 1 Peter 2.5 says, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Okay, so uh, right now the way our church functions, we have uh, three song leaders. We have Brother Randy who leads us on Sunday mornings. We have Brother Blake who leads us on Sunday nights. And then Brother Seth at the moment is leading us on uh, Wednesday nights in songs. Now, would you be okay? Would you think it's okay if uh, one of these men or all three of these men just decided that they're going to, you know, be totally involved in sin and, and uh, just kind of go off the deep end, but then decide that it's okay to come and, uh, and lead us in worship to the Lord in that type of condition. I don't think most of us would think that's okay. All right, so obviously there's somewhat of a um, understood um, re requirement is not the right word, but um, condition that these men should be, uh, should be true about them, that they're filled with the Spirit when they come and lead us in worship. So they, they, they ought to be Spirit-filled. But a lot of times we kind of put that expectation on the leaders. But guess who else is supposed to be singing unto the Lord? Not just them, but all of us too. So when we come to church to sing corporately to the Lord, let's not just put that condition on them that they should be spirit-filled, but that all of us should be spirit-filled as well. 
that we're not walking in sin and that we're not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, but rather that we're, uh, we're not drunk with wine, but, but we're instead under the control and the influence of the Holy Spirit of God so that when we come to the church, church house to sing, our, we're, we're, we're in a, a good place to do that. Again, 1 Peter 2.5 says, As lively stones are built up a spiritual house, we're in holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So what we're doing in our song service is we're offering up spiritual sacrifices. And, and this, is a, this is a big deal. A lot of times it's like, yeah, yeah, let's just get past the, let's just get past the congregational singing and, and, uh, and move on with the service. No, no, no. This is an opportunity for us to uh, present our worship before the Lord. And we need to do so in a spirit-filled manner. Um, there's a lot more we can say about that. Um, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord in Colossians 3.16 is a description of born-again people who are engaged with the Lord from the heart. They are abiding in Christ. They're communing with Him. They're walking with Him. They're walking in the light with Him. There are people who are saved by grace and walking in grace and loving grace. No other kind of people can sing in such a manner. If the spiritual condition of a church deteriorates, so does the spiritual character of the song service. So we, we need a desire to be godly in character since we are ministering godly music. And, and again, not just for those who are leading the music, but also for those of us who are involved in the singing as well. We must be exemplary. Worldliness cannot be sanitized. God does not... This is what... Uh, there, there's an author named Chris Starr, and here's what he writes. Uh, he, I believe he's a pastor at Mount Zion Baptist Church in Pennsylvania. And he says, um, God doesn't just accept people what... Uh, ex- I'm sorry. God does not just accept whatever people offer. You say, well, I'm offering him something, and he should take it because it's from me. Okay, we'll just ask Cain how that went. Because Cain offered God something, and God refused his sacrifice. So when we, we must come to God, we must come to God, um, and, and we must worship him in spirit and in truth, Right? So, uh, God doesn't just accept whatever people offer. Do we personally listen to bad music? This will affect us. How can we pray for God's blessings and at the same time shake hands with the world? Are we attracted to or addicted to worldliness and music? These are good questions that all of us need to ask before we get to church. Right? We need to be in a good place with the Lord so that we can worship Him in a way that He accepts. Because honestly, there's been times in my life when I was singing these words, but my heart was so far from the Lord, it's not even funny. And so, uh, we need to be spirit-filled, and that's so important. So, when we come to church, let's come prepared, ready to worship the Lord. Let's not come and say, well, I hope this service really helps me get close to the Lord. No, no, let's, let's get close to the Lord before we come to church. Let's be ready uh, when we are here to worship the Lord uh, in a right spirit. So, when it comes to church music, church music is to be sung and played by spirit-filled saints. So, those who are playing on the instruments, those who are leading the singing, those who are um, involved in the music, and the, I would even say the, the sound system and the slides and all the rest, 
Let's make sure that we're spirit-filled, that we're in a good place with the Lord. We're right with God before we come into our place of ministry. But then not just them, also everyone else who comes to church here at Cornerstone. Let's come in a right relationship with God, that we're right with the Lord and, and ready to worship Him, not going, well, I hope that the preacher preaches something that gets me right with God. No, try to get right with God before you come. So church music needs to be sung and played by those who are spirit-filled. Number three, here's another uh, principle here. Church music is for singing unto the Lord and to one another. We're singing unto the Lord and to one another. You know, by and large, music was meant for the glory of God. And here in these two verses, Ephesians 5, 19 and Colossians chapter number 3, 16, it says, speaking to yourselves, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. And in Colossians 3, 16, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So the twofold purpose of, the, of church singing is first to worship God and then to edify the saints. And this is emphasized by means of repetition being repeated in two of the church epistles. So sacred music is to be sung to the Lord. Singing to the Lord is pure worship. The Lord, of course, is Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of Lords. He's the one who made me. He's the one who owns me. He loves me. He redeemed me. And my sole purpose in this life is to live for His pleasure and for His glory. Romans 11.36 says, For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. All right, so sacred music is first to be sung to the Lord, but it's also uh, to be sung to one another. It's also for the teaching and admonishing one another. The song service is actually a one another ministry. It's a real important function of the church body. And maybe you've heard this, but I've heard it said many times that the song service is actually preparation for the preaching. Like, let's do this so that our hearts can be prepared for the preaching of God's Word. Now, I agree with that to a point. But actually, when you look at these two verses, it's, it's not saying we just need to get through this so that we can get to the real stuff called the preaching. Okay, There can be teaching in these songs. I mean, here, um, the, the verse we have in Ephesians 5, "...speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs." And then Colossians 3.16 again, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So, so here's the deal. Yes, we, we need to put the emphasis on teaching and preaching the word of the Lord, but the songs can teach us too. We can learn greatly from the songs that we sing here at Cornerstone. And we ought to be learning from them. So it's not just preparing us for the preaching where the real teaching comes, no, 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 we can learn through the music as well. And uh, I have learned a lot, and, you know, sometimes when it's uh, with the music, those lyrics with the music, um, is, it, it sticks with you a little bit differently than the preaching does. I'm not saying the preaching doesn't stick with you, but I, and you'd say, yeah, no, it doesn't. I, I go away going, I have no idea what that guy talked about. But and, and music, though, does stick with us differently than preaching does, and, and it can absolutely teach us some things about God. So 
Uh, Paul teaches that the congregational singing is to be an important teaching ministry in itself. And each member is commanded to teach and admonish the other brethren. So church singing is not about me. It's not about my choices, my pleasures, my feelings. It's not about whether or not I want to participate. Because some people are like, yeah, I'm not really much of a singer. I don't have a good voice. I don't even know how to sing very well. And I'm just not feeling the vibe right now. So I'm just not going to sing. Well, the thing is, is it's a command here to sing. It's about dying to the old self and submitting to God's authority and being a holy priest and ministering to the brethren through singing. I mean, if it's just, if it's just a song leader singing, I'm telling you, that's not, that, that's not really the intent. Okay? Um, Brother Randy has a wonderful voice. Brother Blake has a wonderful voice. Seth has a voice. And, uh, you know, we, we don't want to just hear ourselves sing, right? We want to we want to just lead everybody else to sing. That's that's the idea. All right. So the purpose is singing unto the Lord and to one another. That's what the purpose of church music is. Let's go to number four here. And I, I I'm not going to spend very much time on this one, but I wish I wish I had a little bit more time to get this one a little longer. Um, but here's the, here's the point. Church music is to be sound in doctrine. It is to be theologically sound and correct and accurate according to the teachings of the Bible. So, if, if the song goes against the Bible, then let's go with the song and throw out the Bible, right? No. That's what some people do, though. They think, well, this is a really popular song. This really speaks to me. And so we take the song and we say, well, yeah, I know that the Bible says something else, but, but this song is so popular and it speaks to me and I just love it so much and I, I, you know, I, I need it. Okay. Colossians 3.16. There's that verse again. Okay. In that verse it says, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I, I didn't read the first part of that verse, though, in the, this time. The first part of the verse says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Okay, that needs to be the foundation for everything else. Everything else needs to line up with this. This is our standard. If something goes against this, as popular as it may be, we don't need to have that in here. All right? A great, um, a great deal of contemporary Christian music is unacceptable because it represents ecumenical, it represents charismatic doctrine, or presents a vague message that lacks doctrinal clarity and strength. In some cases, it's downright heresy or blasphemy. There's a song that um, was written, and I, I was just looking at the author's name, and I can't I can't remember what it is, and I didn't, I didn't write it down. But the song's name is Reckless Love. Perhaps you've heard of it. And the, the, the phrase that is used there is, Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99, and I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming... Never-ending, reckless love of God. Yeah. 
So that's kind of the chorus that repeats multiple times throughout that song. And uh, I, if you have, you probably have heard that at some point in your life. And it's a somewhat newer song, but you know, the idea of reckless love here is uh, basically saying that God's love is just, He just pours out His love and there's no, there's no care about it at all. He just loves us so much and is just, um, it's, it's showing that He doesn't care. There's, there's, there's not any um, control over His love. And that goes totally against what the Scripture teaches us about the character of God. He is always in control. He is a sovereign, and, and, and there's never a moment that he is reckless or that anything he does is reckless, including loving us. He loves us with an infinite, everlasting love. That's what the Bible says, but it never says anything about reckless. So while this song has become extremely popular in churchianity, it goes against the Scriptures. It's not sound in doctrine. And so, as a result, we reject it. That's not the only reason we reject it, though. Um, but that's a major reason we say that's not going to be a song that we're going to allow here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. If you say, well, that song really speaks to me. I really like that song. Um, there's other churches that have that song, but this is not going to be one of them. Okay? And I say that with as love, much love and kindness as I can muster here because I love you, um, but that song goes against the Word of God. The character of God is described in the scriptures. So that is our foundation. There are even some hymns, and let me see if I can find one real quickly. Uh, there's a song that I love and we love to sing here at Cornerstone. And uh, let me see if I, I can find it here. Yeah, 186 in your hymnal if you want to grab a hymnal and look at it. There's, there's a, and Brother Blake and I have, not, and I have talked about this. There, there's a couple songs in here that I believe are not, uh, there's some things about them that are not scripturally sound, and this is one of them. And, and I'm not trying to be picky. I'm not trying to be, you know, you know, choking on a gnat, you know, that type of a thing. But I also want to be careful and to be scripturally. So, And Can It Be is one of my favorite hymns. But there's a verse in here that is not scriptural. I don't believe it is. Verse number, um, let's see. Yeah, verse number three. He left his father's throne above. That's true. So free, so infinite, his grace, true. But here's, here's the hang-up. Emptied himself of all but love. That's where I would call a timeout and say... Um, I don't think he emptied everything except for love. I, I think he limited some of the aspects of his deity when he came here, but I don't think he emptied everything except for love. So that particular verse, um, we try not to sing. <laughs> we sing the other verses. Um, and, and, and I love the other aspects of that verse, but that one little phrase is uh, not, not, not doctrinally sound. Okay, so you get the idea here, and, and, and it's not necessarily up to you. It's really the onus is on me as the pastor to make sure that the music that comes uh, to our church family through specials, through uh, congregational singing, are doctrinally sound. And that is a pretty heavy responsibility to make sure that that's the case. 
And if there's ever a song that you would say, you know what, I don't think that that's doctrinally sound, come and talk to me. I want to make sure that we're careful in this area. Okay? Uh, and by the way, we also want more than just theological soundness. We want theological depth. We want richness of truth that will edify deeply and broadly. Lyrics need to be examined carefully to make sure that we're not singing heresy and also that we're not singing um, just emotional sweet nothings. There's a lot of churches where they're, they just kind of do the repeats the, as what many people call the 7-Eleven choruses where they, it's like seven lines that they repeat 11 times or whatever, or seven words they repeat 11 times. Um, we, we don't have many of those. Uh, one that I was thinking about is I have decided to follow Jesus is a little bit like that. I don't mind singing that on uh, every once in a while, but too much of that. We want to try to get songs that, ha- that, that, that we can learn from, that, we, that are theologically uh, true, sound, and deep. And I realize that this goes against a lot of what most people want in a church music situation. Most people want the hype. A lot of people want the emotion. A lot of people want the excitement. But that's, you know, that, that's not necessarily what we're, what we're after here because that's not what we're instructed to be involved in. Okay, so church music is to be sound in doctrine. Let me cover, let me cover one more. How about that? And then uh, we'll go ahead and uh, break there and, and uh, get into our business meeting. But number five here, church music should emphasize melody. Church music should emphasize melody. Okay, Ephesians 5.19 says, making melody in your heart. Now, melody is the simplest part of music. And, and I will say this, you know, again, I'm not an expert on music. I do not have a degree in music, but that doesn't mean that I can't learn about music and uh, can't study what God's Word has to say about music. I don't have a degree in a lot of things, but I also, as a pastor, am called to know what they, to handle it. You know, I I may not have a business degree, but there's a business aspect, financial aspects to being the pastor. There's um, counseling situations that I have to go through that, you know, I don't have a degree in counseling, but, um, and, and music is another area and I've had to learn, and I am still learning, and I'm still in the process of learning more about music, and I have not arrived, but um, here's some things that I have learned here. Melody is the simplest part of music. It's the basic tune. It's the part of the song that you can, you can, you can hum and you can whistle, that we all remember the tune of like Amazing Grace or Happy Birthday. That's kind of the melody there. And an individual can't really sing harmony and chords. So, but melody is the one thing that we can sing. And a good melody reinforces the words and helps, um, and helps God's people remember the words and edify themselves with the words all their days. By emphasizing melody, God's word teaches us to keep the music simple so it doesn't distract from the message of the words. There should be a good singable melody and the rest of the music should not ever overwhelm the melody. And in sacred music, particularly for congregational use, a simple musical arrangement is better to an overly complicated one. Um, when, especially when we're trying to sing and uh, learn a new song, the simpler the, the melody is, the easier it is for us to learn the tune and, and learn the song. Um, 
And here's Chris Starr again, as he quote, is quoted, In common life, the music presides, but in godly music, uh, the words preside. The music serves as an accompaniment to the message. Godly music is the harmonious balance between tunes that fit or complement the lyrics. Um, and, uh, and so the emphasis, it, it, the church music should emphasize melody rather than all the other um, uh, other aspects, the harmony and the chords and all of that, okay? So that needs to be the, the greater focus there. Let me, let me do one more. Let me do one more uh, real quick. This will be the last one for sure. Number six, church music should be sung from the heart. Ephesians 5.19, singing and making melody in your heart. In Colossians 3.16, these two verses we've been looking at, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. The singing and playing of sacred music is a heart affair. By the heart, we're not talking primarily about emotions, but about man's fundamental interior. In the Bible, the heart refers to the center of man's thinking, emotions, and will. The heart thinks, it understands, it meditates, it considers, it purposes, it takes counsel, it reasons, it desires, and there's verses that go along with all of these. It has intents, and uh, from the heart proceed all the actions and motivations of man. So both the mouth and the heart are to be fully engaged when we're singing. Sacred music is not something that should be done just by rote or vain tradition. It is not unthinking, unfeeling. It's not supposed to be religious ritual, not mere duty, not habit or tradition, not just mindless, loud singing like a boisterous child. And so when we're singing, it's not like amazing grace, how sweet the sound, when is the service going to be over so that I can go eat somewhere? It, we need to put our heart into the songs that we're singing. So, yes, with our mouth we are to sing, but also with our, from our heart we are to sing. And so, I um, want to encourage all of us, and it's obvious, those, um, those who are singing from the heart, you can tell. And again, not that I want everybody looking around and going, okay, they must be singing from the heart. They must not be. So we need to tell the pastor about them because they're not singing from the heart. Ooh, I'm telling. Okay, no, no, no none of that, obviously. Okay. But as I look around, and I'm sure as the song leaders do, you can tell those who are singing from the heart. Pretty obvious that they're into it, right? And I want to encourage all of us when we come together and sing the songs that we're trying to make sure are doctrinally sound and, uh, and have some doctrinal depth to them, that we sing from our hearts. Um, that it's not just a, okay, we'll just run through the motions and then get this over with. That we actually sing and that we sing from the heart. All right, well, let's pray and uh, we'll end there tonight. And uh, uh, not, not next Sunday, because next Sunday is Fifth Sunday Fellowship, but the f following Sunday night we'll finish this up. And uh, I think it'll be helpful as we continue through this. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the opportunity to look at uh, music, especially when it comes to inside the church. And uh, Lord, this, uh, this is your bride. This is very important. Um, and Lord, help us to look at these biblical principles and apply them to our church Lord, really, as I'm, as I'm presenting these, Lord, most of them are really directed to me as the pastor. And God, the responsibility lies in my lap um, 
And uh, Lord, the ball is in my court on what I do with these things. And so, Lord, I pray for wisdom and strength. Lord, I, I, I want to make good choices here. I want to make choices that are going to please you and that are going to keep our church um, in, a, in a place of safety and, and a place where you want us to be. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would um, help me to have uh, wisdom, discernment. I pray you'd even ha- help me to have courage and uh, to do what's right and to take the safe high road in some areas. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, bless our church, help us to be a church that pleases you in the music. And uh, Lord, I ask that you would protect us from going down the wrong path in music as well. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would bless the, the time now to follow in Jesus' name. Amen.